In business, my philosophy is don't be a know-it-all. When I come across really, really smart people, sometimes they're too smart. So in business, I try to learn the basics of a business, but it's just like riding a bike. You have to do. So if I tell you how to ride that bike and I give you a book and a manual how to ride that bike, you're not going to be able to ride that bike until you start riding. It's like that in barbering. You can read the book on cutting hair. You can watch somebody cutting hair, but you got to grab them clippers and start cutting, brother. So when I look at business, I don't try to know it all. I just try to know just enough for me to get started and I'll figure the rest out as I go. So when I start my businesses, I start as a rookie. I don't know much. I just know enough. And when I started my trucking business, I never drove a truck a day in my life. And I bought a truck and I jumped in it and I started driving. And here we go. Two and a half years later, I got five trucks. (laughs) Welcome to Freedom Slave Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and freedom slayer in charge here. Let's begin. I say all the time that where you've been does not determine where you can go. And I truly have never met anyone that's a living testament to that statement as much as the person that you're going to be listening to in a short bit. And that person is Edward L. Hennings, also known as Ed. Now, what I'm going to do is tell you where Ed is now. And then I'm going to tell you where he came from and he's going to dive into his story and what he's doing now. And you're going to get all the gems in the episode. But I need you to hear this short bit because it's going to help you understand where we're going in this episode because Ed did a complete 180. So let's start with where he is now. Edward L. Hennings is a successful, award-winning Milwaukee-based author. He's an entrepreneur, a motivational speaker, a life coach, and a policy reform advocate. He actually owns three other businesses outside of the motivational speaking and life coaching and, you know, advocating things, right? He has his own businesses, and he's proven what so many people thought was impossible. So now here comes the part where he came from. Are you ready? Ed was sentenced to 40 years in prison for first-degree reckless homicide. And for those of you who may not know what that is, it means that he killed somebody. And he was forced to reconsider the legacy and impact of his actions for many, 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 many years. And he brings a really unique perspective and genuine passion and personal mission to inspire the lives of individuals who face adversity. And I think you're going to learn a ton in this episode just from listening to his story and seeing that complete 180 that he made in not only his actions, but in his mindset and the mindset that you need to make big changes in your life as well. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to dive in so you can hear it from Ed himself, all the gems. Let's go. Hey, hey, Ed. Excited to have you on the Freedom Slay podcast. Man, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So let's start at the beginning of your journey because it's such an interesting story. Can you tell us what transpired for you to get arrested and imprisoned for 20 years? Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm the short version or the long version because I'm just going from, from my Give childhood. Give us the medium on the, one. 
Okay, the medium one. Okay, let's get it in there. Um, well, the medium version, um, at the age of about 19, I started selling drugs. The reason why I started selling drugs, I was in school. I was doing pretty good in school. But school, I had got impatient. Basically, I got impatient. I'm from the urban community. I seen this type of activity my whole entire life. I was strong enough at that point in my life not to indulge in it. But at about 18 or 19 years old, I was a young adult and finances were more a part of my life than they ever were before. And school was a thing that was in the future. Two, three, four, five years down the line, I would graduate, get a job and be able to make some money. So at 19, I said, you know what? I ran out of patience. I need money and I need money now. So I started selling drugs. And with that, I became what you call the go-to guy in your circle, in your family, and with your friends, you're the go-to guy. So with that being said, uh, when something, somebody needed something, when somebody needed some help financially, they needed a ride, they needed something to eat, you know, I was the person, I was the go-to guy. So when there was there was beef or there was some dispute amongst the guys, the friends, the family, they would call me. And I would always step in and intervene and get it straightened out. But this one particular time, an uncle of mine, he he had some dispute with some guys in the neighborhood and they kind of beat him up a little bit. And he came and got me. So I went, like I usually do, to calm this situation down and get it squashed and it wouldn't be any more problem. But this particular time, um, guys out there, as I was getting um, this thing taken care of, like normally happens, is just go, you have a conversation, you talk about it, you shake hands and it's over. But this particular time, um, it was a little more hostile than, than it normally is. And three guys approached my uncle. Well, one definitely approached my uncle. I thought he was reaching for a gun to shoot him. And I pulled out a gun myself and I shot two times and didn't know the man was hit. But I know everybody started running. Guys started coming out of yards and it was just total hostility and it was chaos. And it just ended up with me being arrested that night for first degree, and I was charged with first degree intentional homicide, and I was taken to jail. Mm-hmm. And was that at 19 too? Because I know you said you started selling the drugs at 19, or were you like a little older at this point, or were you 19? Yeah, yes, ma'am. At this point, um, this was four or five years later. I was 24 years old at the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I had been going on um, in this type of lifestyle for the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman that was shot is, well, I mean, it's that attempted suicide, um, homicide, so he's still alive, yeah? No, 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 no. That They charged me with first-degree intentional homicide. Oh, first-degree so intentional. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody ran and they collapsed maybe a block or two away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did that experience impact you, just from that quick moment where you know, you shot the two bullets and everyone ran and you moved on. Like, I'm sure you had so much time over the next 20 years to think about that. Like, how did it feel for you? What lessons did you learn over that time? Wow. That's the thing about it. I never thought in a million years that I would be sitting in the courtroom listening to um, my victims, loved ones, you know, say how bad of a person I was and listening to my grandma you know, begging a judge not to put me away for life. And that right there really hit the core of my soul. And so much of, I thought about, I should have just stayed in school. I thought about, I should have did this. I should have, so many things. And at that point, 
I was saying, I went to trial and I was facing the rest of my life going to trial. And all I was asking for and praying for was another chance, another shot. So I was just, and the jury went in the back and they were coming back with the verdict and I was sitting in a holding cell and I was just sitting in that holding cell and I was just praying, I said, just give me one more chance, one more chance, one more chance. And I was saying that over and over and over again in my head. So when I came back out for the verdict, they had found me guilty of a lesser offense, which they found me guilty of first degree reckless homicide. And in other states, they call it manslaughter. Mm-hmm. So I had a right to defend, but I overdid it. Basically what it was saying, the law says that I had did a little too much in defending my uncle and in myself. So I really just understood that I had another chance coming. So for those 20 years that I spent, because I was sentenced to 40 years altogether. Oh, wow. You see that reaction? That's the reaction you get, 40 years. But from a guy that was facing the rest of his life, um, that 40 years was bad. But I knew like, okay, okay, this is, I get another chance, not the next day or the next year. But I have some time to do. And here you see parole in 10 years off of 40, a quarter of your time. So I start seeing a parole board in 10. So it took me another 10 after my first initial parole hearing to get paroled out. So I did 20 years of the 40. So I did half of my sentence in prison. And with that being said, I spent that 20 years pushing myself every day, every chance that I got to better myself to become the best version of Ed that I could be. And I spent 20 years doing that. So that's what that time did to me. And that's what that time did for me. And I'm a motivational speaker now, but it didn't start when I was, since I've been home the last four years, it started while I was in prison. Cause I was telling the guys in there, Hey man, we got to change. We got to push. We got to go. We got to better ourselves. We can't end up like this. Our last memories of us from our loved ones can't be us being hauled away in handcuffs. And that's the last time they see us. We got to come back. So I was doing a lot of motivating and pushing guys, even in prison, to, to, to make some change. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Mm-hmm. And that seems like it started immediately soon as you were in front of the judge, like because you started thinking about all the things and asking for that second chance and, you know, all of that. It's am- it's amazing to me how hindsight's always twenty twenty, as they say, right? The cliche. Yes, but, oh, man. So what transpired for you to leave prison and become an entrepreneur? Because now you're a serial, a serial entrepreneur. You have, you know, three businesses going. You're the motivational speaker. And I know you said you started doing the motivational speaking in prison. But what made you think that or what made you say, you know what, once I leave, I'm going to pursue this going forward? Um, when I was in prison, I had, you know, like I said, I was on this mission to make change. 
I still live every day like this is my chance. This is my shot. This is my second chance. With me living with that mentality, that mindset, I was I took a barber and cosmetology class in 1998. I finished it and got my barber cosmetology license in 2001. Oh, cool. You did this while you were in prison. Yeah, while I was in prison. Oh, awesome. Once I completed that, I took an auto detailing class. Once I completed that, I took a culinary class. So I was taking and acquiring as much knowledge through reading and through the, whatever was available to me to try to better myself. So once I participated in scared straight programs, youth awareness programs, trying to convince the youth, don't end up in this situation. So once I've seen that formula, seen that formula giving me success right in prison. Like, man, I'm cutting hair in the barbershop and I'm speaking to the kids every Wednesday and Friday. This formula works for me. So when I came home, I got ready to come home. I went to work release in 2015. So they send you to work release before they let you all the way out, Mm -hmm. which means you go to a job and then you go back to prison. So I was on that for a year. And I ended up because I took that barber and cosmetology course in 1998. It allowed me to get a job in a barbershop. So while working in that barbershop, I was making $7.25 an hour. But the long-term, should I say, effects or the long-term reward was I was able to build clientele. I had been gone 19 years at that time. So I didn't know about the latest styles. I didn't know about the latest techniques. So I also had a chance to prep myself in the barber and cosmetology field uh, with some hands-on experience even before I got all the way out. So Mm -hmm. although I wasn't making much money, I was able to build clientele. I was able to sharpen my skill set, and I was able to build some camaraderie with the guys in the shop, which was all a plus for me. Mm, so int- that's so interesting. So when you were in prison, well, first of all, the prisoners, prison officers must have loved you because you were that person doing all the things they actually put out there for betterment. You know, you were trying to do all the courses and stuff. And I laughed when you said, you know, you didn't know all the new styles. I'm thinking, well, they probably came around back at that time, right? Because even now you see people with the boxies and all the haircuts. You're like, man, that's like 20 years ago. So it kind of recycles itself. But yeah, I love that you used that experience you got into in prison and said, okay, let me apply this for when I get out and find myself some solid ground at that point, you know? Yes, ma'am. I could tell you like the pain and that sort of thing, you know, we heal. Us as human beings, we heal from a lot of things. We go through divorce. We go through loss of loved ones. We go through even prison, which is, you know, common where I'm from. So with that being said, people heal. But the blessing is in healing. But the curse in healing is that we sometimes um, forget. Because in that pain, we making decisions in that pain. We say, man, I'm never going to go through this again. I'm never going to make that decision. But as soon as we heal, we forget. And then we end up reverting back to some of those things. But being that I had to sit in my pain for 20 years, it kind of got ingrained in my soul. So when I came home, I looked around me and I seen that my drive was different. My -hmm. grind was different than the rest of the guys. And I don't know, but that pain was able to stick with me. And it was able to be my fuel. So as I was going forward, I was going forward like a bull because that fuel was like rocket fuel. And it still is to this day. It's it's fueling me to just keep pushing and keep pushing. And it's just there. It's it's a part of my DNA now. Mm -hmm. 
totally understand that. Wow, such a powerful story. I'm just listening to it all and trying to imagine even being in that place. And I'm glad you were able to take a situation that so many people would see as such a dark situation and find the light at the end of the tunnel for it. So I know you have multiple businesses, three businesses. What's the first one, a barbershop? What are the three businesses you own? Yes, I have um, the Barbershop Beauty Salon, which was my first business I ever opened. Second to that, I started a trucking business. I have a five-truck fleet. The third business, which is my nonprofit organization, which involves speaking, mentoring, and coaching in life and in small business. Um, I wrote a book. I'm an author of a book titled The Answers. And uh, my last endeavor, I just started my own men's grooming product line, starting with the beard oil. Um, I have a beard. I've been wearing a beard for about the last five, six years. I'm known throughout, you know, my community as, you know, the guy with the beard. So I'm in cosmetology. I help a lot of guys grow, grow their beards out. I grew my own beard out. So it was only natural for me to delve into, you know, the beard industry and get the men's grooming thing popping off. So that's my latest endeavor that I have going on right now. Mm-hmm. Congrats to you. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. So do you find that people judge you based on your past? Like someone's coming and they say, oh, he's got these businesses. He must be using drug money for that. Or who is he to have this? Like, do you find that type of pushback from your own community or even those outside of your community at all? Yes, I get a little of that. Not quite as much as you get the pat on the back, but I'm a driven person. And it's the funny thing about me is that when somebody says that, that pushes me to go even harder I was just telling somebody the other day, I can't take a lot of compliments because it kind of softened me up. I need my edge. So I need those people that discredit and don't believe in change. So when they do that, that helps me. And I kind of gravitate to it. Say, yeah, tell me more. Say more of that. I need to hear more of that to keep pushing me. So yeah, definitely get my dose of that. But I made those decisions. I made those choices. So I have to live with, I have to take the accountability and say, yes, some people is not going to embrace, you know, everything you do. So you have to have some thick skin and be able to take that gut shot and and, and let it push you. Once again, let it be your fuel. How we respond is everything. Mm -hmm, For sure. It reminds me of this documentary Beyonce did. And she actually enjoyed getting mad before going on stage. She loved reading the gossip columns or reading someone saying something bad about her or what she does before going on stage because she just turned it, like you said, into fuel and just outperformed everything, you know? So that just tells you that's just someone who is so driven that anything could push them further, you know? That's pretty cool. And what advice do you have for someone who may be feeling like they're at rock bottom right now, whether it be they're in prison or whether someone close to them just died or, you know, they just feel like maybe they've got tons of debt and they just feel like they're at rock bottom and they feel like their future is dim. What advice do you have for that person? Right back to what we were just speaking on about uh, your response. Sometimes uh, we grow up a certain way and life is introduced to us in a certain way. And sometimes it's incomplete, like adversity. Like when I was growing up, adversity was taught to me with a lot of it will introduce to me a lot of emotion, a lot of anger, a lot of tears. People's hair was on fire, so to speak, when adversity hit. But they didn't tell me on the back end of adversity was going to be wisdom. It's going to be strength. It's going to be Ed taking his second chance to help somebody on their first. 
So when I went through my own adversity, it taught me, say, hey, you know what? This is tough. But guess what it did to me? It did something to me. So when I see other people go through adversity, I say, hey, it's not you going to if you respond to this right, this could be the reason. This could be the reason you go and kill a game. This could be the reason that you reach your destiny if you respond properly. So Mm -hmm. it's all in your response. Adversity is promised to all of us. Everybody looks at their situation as if it's the worst of all. So my advice is always look at it. I mean, take it. You know, you have your moment to cry if you need to. You have your moment to be angry if you need to. But take all of that emotion right there and channel that and respond like a champion. And I promise you, it will take you further than you ever thought you could go if you just lean into that. Don't run, don't hide, don't pretend like it didn't happen. It happened. We have to accept it, but we have to respond in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. The response is everything. And there is this story I heard a long time ago, and I think I may have shared it on the podcast before too, but for those who are listening for the first time, and even you, Ed, if you haven't heard this, it was the story of the twins. I don't know if you've heard this one. It's two. It was a set of twins, and they both obviously had the same situations growing up there. I believe their mom and dad had passed, left them with the grandparents who beat them. Like, you know, they had all the bad things happening to them all the way up. And one decided to use that pain and, you know, he went into drugs and he got caught up and got locked up and all those things. And the other one used that as fuel and said, you know what, because of that, I'm going to ensure that I do everything I can to not be on that path. So it's amazing how our response to the situation, we can all have the exact same situation or similar situations and we have different responses and it's how we respond that's going to determine what our future looks like. So I'm glad you emphasize that on, you know, feel your feelings, you know, it's nothing wrong with being angry or being sad or, you know, taking in that sorrow, but you have to find a way out of that and look at the brighter side of it, you know, so I appreciate that. And where do you see yourself in five years time then? Because you seem like you're someone who's focused on, you know, what you can do better, what you're doing next, you know, all of that. Where do you see Ed in five years? Wow, that's a great question as well. I always tell myself, I try not to put a number or anything on anything. My thing is to reach my full potential. I read something that said, you're put here to do something, so do something. So me and doing what my assignment is and my purpose is here, is to be the best version that, of Ed that I could be. And it's been that way for the last 24 years. So I'm gonna continue to push Ed to be better, um, be a better man personally, and be a better man in business. So with that being said, I can't put a number, I can't put anything on it. If I feel like I've maxed it out and I've reached my maximum potential, then I'll stop there. But if I feel like there's more to, that I can do, I'm gonna keep pushing. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And how can people find out more about you? They're probably listening to this episode, loving the story, loving your energy, loving your vibe, and just how focused you are on, you know, improving and making sure you're helping others to improve. You know, where can they find out more about you and your businesses? Okay. Um, well, on social media, I'm on uh, Instagram as Ed Hennings one on Facebook. I'm on as Ed Hennings to order my book and for any type of one-on-one coaching or mentoring, 
in business or in life, you can check me out on edhennings.com. And my men's grooming products is on kingedwardgrooming.com. Thank you so much. And there's one question I love to ask at the end of every single episode, and that is, what does freedom mean to you? Oh, yeah, this is wonderful. Um, Freedom for me. And one would think I would start with prison. But um, after going to prison and knowing how the connection is between freedom and prison, I soon learned and I know that it's not a lot of difference. And I'm saying that to say that freedom has changed for me. It means that you're not only free physically, but you're free mentally. I came home and I seen so many people that didn't understand, uh, probably in my head, I was like, man, you're not behind any bars or any barbed wire, but you locked up. And I know I couldn't express that with anybody, because I know they wouldn't understand it because if you've never been to prison, you can't, it's like a man trying to figure out what it feels to have a baby. So being that you've never been to prison, I'm thinking to myself, so many people that's not physically incarcerated are mentally incarcerated. Mm-hmm. So freedom is me trying now to say, hey man, you gotta free yourself from that self-doubt. You gotta free yourself from that thought from those thoughts, from that way of life, you have to break loose, you know, from this addiction, so to speak. And it don't have to be drugs. It's an addiction to these choices that you make that you just seem not to be able to free yourself from. So freedom is definitely a lot and way more bigger than some prison. So mm-hmm. that's my freedom. It's bigger than prison. Mm-hmm. And as you're talking, I'm starting to think of some other questions. I have another question for you. And that is with the business side, did you find the business part of things difficult? Like getting out being, I know you said you didn't, you dropped out of school, you weren't there, you know, you wanted to go into the game. You know, did you find that part difficult or was it like just something that was innate where you're like, okay, I know how to run a business or I know how to create a business? Yeah. In business, my philosophy is don't be a know-it-all. When I come across really, really smart people, sometimes they're too smart. So in business, I try to learn the basics of a business, but it's just like riding a bike. You have to do. So if I tell you how to ride that bike and I give you a book and a manual how to ride that bike, you're not going to be able to ride that bike until you start riding. It's like that in barbering. You can read the book on cutting hair. You can watch somebody cutting hair. But you got to grab them clippers and start cutting, brother. So when I look at business, I don't try to know it all. I just try to know just enough for me to get started. And I'll figure the rest out as I go. So when I start my businesses, I start as a rookie. I don't know much. I just know enough. And when I started my trucking business, I never drove a truck a day in my life. And I bought a truck and I jumped in it and I started driving. And here we go. <laughs> Two and a half years later, I got five trucks. <laughs> so so no, I just go. Mm-hmm. I don't try to know it all. No, that's great advice. Just do it. The Nike strategy, right? Just get up yes, and get it done. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for your time, Ed. It was a pleasure having you on the Freedom Slave podcast. And I can't wait to share this with the audience. Man, thanks for having me. And I appreciate it. Thank you.
There you have it. That was a short episode, but a powerful one. You got inside the mind of someone who had to do a complete mental 180 from murder to putting his businesses together and motivating people to do better in their lives. So I really hope that you got all the gems he was dropping as far as your mindset, how you react, getting up and doing like all those things and understanding that your current situation doesn't have to be your forever situation. So I'm grateful for Ed for hopping on the podcast and I'm grateful for you guys listening to the podcast and getting to this point. If you enjoyed it, make sure you head on over to Instagram, take a screenshot and share it with me so I know that you enjoyed it. Tag me at Gaynete, G-A-Y-N-E-T-E. I'll drop the links to everything Ed was talking about below in the description and we'll chat next time. Adios. Okay, okay. I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you.